How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 18 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, today, we're continuing with our potential breakout players on the Oakland A's, and then uh, that's the first segment. Second segment, we're going to get into uh, Mike Fires receiving death threats and uh, David Ortiz talking nonsense. Uh, before we get into today's breakout player, um, I just want to make sure that you guys follow us on Twitter at Locked On A's. Me personally at by Jason B. We also have an email account at uh, lockedonathletics at gmail.com. So you can send over uh, any questions you have about the Oakland A's over there. So, uh, yeah, that's all for that. Follow us at Locked On A's on Twitter, me at by Jason B. You can email us at lockedonathletics at gmail. Uh, today's breakout player is JB Wendelkin. Uh, he's a little bit under the radar, I think. Um, Forbes had a story about him a week or two ago as a potential breakout guy, which is what started this entire week's uh, thought process, was, hey, how about we do a week of guys that could uh, make a name for themselves this season? So, obviously, J.B. Wendelkin's going to be on this list because people are worried about this bullpen, and potentially rightfully so, but I think that there's enough pieces there where we're just not aware of them yet. Like, Lou Trevino, if he was coming off of his 2018 season, uh, it's looking a lot better, and he's a bounce-back candidate. Um, you got Liam Hendricks, who was fantastic last season. We're all expecting a little bit of a return back to earth a little bit, but you know, if he's like a three ERA kind of guy, then, uh, they, they, they've got some pieces. I'm excited about this, uh, this group and JB Wendelkin's a decent amount of why I'm excited about this group. So let's talk about him real quick. First, the background stuff. Uh, he is a right-handed pitcher and he is entering his age 27 season. Uh, he was originally drafted by the Red Sox in the 13th round of the 2020 draft. And uh, in 2013, he was traded to the White Sox, along with Frankie Montas, no less, uh, in the deal that it was a three-team deal. So basically, uh, Avisael Garcia went from Detroit to Chicago. Jose Iglesias went to Detroit. And Jake Peavy went to Boston. Those are the big names in the in the deal. Uh, just so, and I... I know that uh, Jose Iglesias, not a big name necessarily, but he's the big piece that Detroit got back. So I had to include them somehow. So you knew that it was a three-team deal. There are some other minor pieces in there, but those are the, the headliners, except for the guys that wound up on the A's a little bit later. Uh, Wendelkin was traded to Oakland in the Brett Laurie deal, and Frankie Montas was involved in another three-team deal that landed him with the Dodgers. And then he was traded with uh, Jarrell Cotton and Grant Holmes from the Dodgers to the A's in the Josh Reddick and Rich Hill deal uh, a few years back. So that's how they both came to Oakland. But this is about J.B. Wendelkin, so back into him. Wendelkin's been up and down a little bit throughout uh, the last few years with Oakland and you know either Nashville or Las Vegas, who, depending on which year it was and who the affiliate in AAA was. Um, so he is out of options right now, which is why... 2020 is going to be the season that he's going to either make or break himself. Uh, hopefully not break himself. That'd be terrible. Um, he's going to make a name for himself among the Oakland fan base. Uh, he's going to be, you know, one of the middle relief guys to start off the season because he hasn't pitched that much in the majors, to be honest. Uh, he had 32 and two-thirds innings pitched last year in the big leagues, and he had a solid showing. He held a uh, 3.86 ERA in those 32 and two-thirds innings with a 0.98 whip, and that whip is 
pretty decent. Uh, anything below 1 is always really good. Sometimes relievers get down to like 0.7 or something like that, and you're like, whoa, shit. Uh, so pretty good pretty good season. Uh, his FIP, his fielding in, uh, independent pitching, was a little bit lower than the 3.86 ERA that he had. So that leads to some hope. Uh, we'll get into that here in a second, though. Uh, I just want to go over his AAA stats, which were actually worse. Um, the, P- the PCL or the Pacific Coast League, which is where the A's affiliates uh, play, um, in, in AAA at least, uh, it's it's a bandbox. There's lots of offense in the PCL. So he had a 5.59 ERA in 38 and two-thirds innings pitched, and his whip was much higher at 1.707. Uh, that's not good. So if he's that J.B. Wendelkin, you know, the minor league J.B. Wendelkin, not great. But if he's closer to the, the major league version that we saw, he'd be a very solid contributor for the A's. The biggest difference between the two stops for him last year were his walk rate and his home runs for, per fly ball rate. Uh, his walk rate per nine went from 4.42 with Las Vegas to 2.48. So to drop it by almost two full walks per nine innings is a great uh, turnaround. And maybe that's just, you know, the coaching or they, they tweak something in his mechanics. So if that holds up, uh, a two four eight walk rate for anybody, even a reliever, uh, that's pretty solid, and I will take that. And then uh, his home runs per fly ball rate went from 19.5, which is a lot, to 5%. Uh, so he gave up two home runs in 32 and two-thirds innings, and that's why his walk rate was so low. So that's nice. So as far as his picks, uh, his pitch selection goes, he's got uh, four pitches. He mostly relies on his fastball, which averages about 95 miles an hour, and that is thrown about 60% of the time. He also has a slider that comes in uh, at 85.2 miles per, na- per hour on average, and that's uh, roughly 5% of the time. He's got a curveball, which is around 80 miles an hour, and that comes in uh, 17.8% of the time, or usage rate. Uh, and then his changeup is kind of hard, actually, at uh, 865 And so according to Brooks Baseball, they say that his fastball generates a high number of swings and misses. You know, typical for a fastball. Uh, His curveball has exceptional bite with glove side movement. Uh, I watched some videos, like half a dozen videos of his curveball. It's definitely a 12 to 6. Um, And on pitcher list, they said that his uh, curveball has 7 inches of drop vertically, which is in the top 15 of curveballs. Uh, in terms of how much it drops. But it also adds 3.6 inches of horizontal movement. So that thing's going both down and to the side. So it's got a bunch of movement, and it's going to be hard to to hit, I would imagine. Uh, It might lead to a lot more swings and misses than he's seen uh, in previous seasons, and that's something that, you know, could lead to a breakout for sure. So that's something that I'm excited about right there. Um, and then his changeup is a little bit harder than usual, and it generates a bunch of fly balls. He's mostly a fly ball pitcher. He's hovering right around 50% uh, fly ball rate, which obviously in, you know, this home run era, you want to keep the ball on the ground or, you know, as close to the ground as possible. So one thing that, I mean, we saw it with his home run per fly, fly ball rate in the minors, if they keep lifting the ball on him, it's playing with fire a little bit, but playing in Oakland may be his saving grace, or maybe they use him like slightly less on the road or in pitcher-friendly parks and uh, you know try to limit the damage there. 
But if he can keep the ball in the bar, ballpark, he is a solid candidate to emerge as maybe a late inning option as opposed to just a middle relief option. So uh, that, that's what we're hoping for in 2020. Maybe build on that for 2021. All right, so today on the Fantasy Minute brought to you by League Commission, we're talking about J.B. Wendelkin. If you've been with us all week, we've talked about Jesus Luzardo, Sean Murphy, and A.J. Puck. Today we're talking Wendelkin. Uh, so basically with him, his fantasy impact is probably going to be negligible. Uh, he's going to be better than the last season on, in the big leagues and as a you know major league contributor, I believe. But he's probably not on your fantasy radar just yet. I didn't bother looking up where he's going in drafts because I assume that he's going undrafted. And that's probably due to him being like a fifth or sixth inning guy. Uh, if your league is a holds league, then he might be able to provide you some value as the season progresses. You want to definitely keep an eye on his K rate per nine, his walk rate per nine for sure, and his home run per fly ball rate. Those are the three things. Uh, if those are looking good, you know, put a little star next to him. And if he starts getting some holds, A's are a good team. They're going to, you know, need some decent uh, late inning options in the bullpen. And if Lou Trevino is struggling a little bit uh, and Joaquin Soria is down, or th there are ways that Wendell can, can definitely start earning a bunch of saves. Um, so keep an eye on him. Don't draft him. I mean, but keep an eye on him. So, uh, yeah, that is the Fantasy Baseball Minute presented by League Commission. And uh, we'll be right back after this break. What are you doing for the game? A universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, they couldn't care less or the makes everything into a competition person. We all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and League Commission is here to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as a way to uh, lay the foundation for your new league. It's as easy as signing up with your preferences, getting matched, and approving of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commission by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering in the code Locked On in the referred by section of the sign-up form. The first 25 people to sign in, sign up using our code receive their first match for free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommission.com. All right, and we're back. Um, I think in the fantasy minute, I said that Wendelkin would get some saves. I meant holds. That's my bad, guys. Don't adjust your fantasy rosters according to that. I meant holds. So holds, 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 holds. Okay, so for this uh, segment of the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, Mike Fryer saying that he's gotten death threats. It. I mean, are, I'm not surprised by this in today's world, so that's not fun. He says he's unconcerned. He's like, yeah, I can take care of myself. It's fine. He's a little bit concerned about his family. Uh, the commissioner has said that they're going to do everything they can to protect him and his family. Uh, his lawyers know about it. So it seems like not a big deal. I don't know. I, people get death threats all the time in the sports world. and It's not a big deal until something happens. So I'm holding my breath that nothing happens. Um, yeah. But something that did strike me in the Chronicle uh, story by Susan Slusser, other than the death threats, obviously, uh, were Fires talking about his World Series ring and stuff like that. Uh, he said that he had mentioned, that he potentially mentioned it to Ryan Buchter at some point, that he would, you know, give away his World Series ring if it came to that. But uh, he's not, 
as of right now, he doesn't plan to do that unless it's required of the whole 2017 Astros team. Uh, he said, quote, I said from the beginning, I'm not away from this. I was part of that team. I was one of those guys. Suspensions, fines, I'm willing to take as much punishment as they do. If they ask me to return the ring, it's not the end of the world. And, I mean, for everybody calling him, we'll get into people that are calling him a snitch. But, uh, I mean, for all of that, I'm like, he, he's willing to take the responsibility for the team that he just snitched, or, you know, whistle blew on. See, they're getting me with the words. Uh, he's willing to accept the responsibility. And it doesn't seem like many other people that were part of that team are. And so, not only did he, you know, bring everything to light and get the commissioner to actually do an investigation when he knew about it for two years. But, uh, he's also one of the first people that's like, yeah, even though, you know, we talked and we have immunity, I will take the, whatever punishment you guys want. I will give back my ring. I will do this. Just make sure that everybody has to do it. That's all. That's all I'm asking. It's not that bad. So, uh, that's fun. So David Ortiz, he ran his mouth today. Uh, he said in relation to Mike Fires, quote, uh, this is from, sorry, I'm not going to quote this yet. This is from ESPN, and uh, I forget who the author was. It's on ESPN. Uh, he said, I'm mad at the guy, the pitcher who came out talking about it. First off, he can't even call Mike Fires by his name. He's mad about this whole situation, but doesn't know the facts. Cool. Keep going, David. Uh, continuing, uh, quote, and let me tell you why. Oh, and after you make your money and you get your ring, you decide to talk about it. Why don't you talk about it during the season when it was going on? Why didn't you say, I don't want to be part of it? Uh, end quote. Maybe because it was a bang scheme that was alerting the hitters. And as a pitcher, he was much less a part of it. Why isn't he mad at Alex Bregman for taking part of it? Or Jose Altuve? Or George Springer? Or name other Astros that didn't do the whistleblowing, if you're gonna be mad. Mr. Poppy later in the article continues to uh, dig himself a deeper hole by defending the commissioner of baseball, who I'm pretty sure we've all decided is cancelled. I took a couple of quotes. Uh, they're in context in the story. I'm taking them slightly out of context here because I don't want to read an entire article for you guys on the podcast. Uh, I did that a couple days ago. Um, so he said, quote, uh, it, sorry, I'm really bad at knowing when to say quote. Uh, in relation to the commissioner and all of this stuff, he said, quote, he had no control whatever happened in the investigation, end quote. Then who had control of the investigation, David? What? It, it's the commissioner's investigation, correct? Maybe he should have control of the investigation. That's how you figure out how everything happened. Who did it? Where? Why? All of that stuff. You know what I'd like to know is a how. That, those are all things that would be wonderful in a commissioner's report. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what he was expecting the commissioner to do with his investigation, but apparently he is satisfied with literally no results. So great job. Also, we're still waiting on the Red Sox investigation to wrap up. And uh, did they only start that when the Athletic reported that one too? Because that seems ridiculous. When you're doing one investigation, you should investigate all of the teams. But uh, that's just my silly little opinion. I just have a little podcast, which I'm going to say this mostly in jest because I think it's hilarious. I'm number one in Russia in uh, baseball podcast. It might be sports podcast. I forget. Number one in Russia, Locked On A's, world famous Locked On A's podcast right here on the Locked On Network. 
Uh, okay, so back into David Ortiz uh, being a joke. Uh, he also said, uh, in reference to the players talking, speaking out against the commissioner, quote, uh, he don't tell you how to hit or how to pitch, so let him do his job. Which, does he watch baseball? Because I'm pretty sure that what we're doing now, there's a three batter minimum. That's how to pitch and how to manage. Uh, you can't get out of the batter's box. That's how to hit. Uh, for pitching, you got to do it in 20 seconds or less. Uh, he's literally telling them how to hit and how to pitch. So maybe they should tell him how to do his own damn job. Uh, thanks, Ortiz. And your analysis is greatly appreciated on Fox Sports. Are they good? I don't watch pregame shows very often. Is Fox Sports good? I've heard good things. But really, this is a bad take. It's a really bad take. So, uh, yeah, that's it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can follow us at Locked On A's on Twitter. I am also at ByJasonB on Twitter. Uh, email us your A's questions at LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. And uh, I will be having one more episode this week. And uh, we'll get that out to you guys. We're going to do our final breakout star and uh, do a fantasy minute, do some league commission stuff. It'll be fun. So go out there and celebrate good times, Oakland. I will talk with you guys tomorrow.